Dr. Sue, FDA, and Big Pharma accusing they suppressed hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in favor of high-profit vaccines and experimental therapies. And they win, forcing FDA to admit the claims were true. So here's the question. You think Kevin Trudeau is pissed? The truth is, the truth has a way of emerging. And to reveal facts takes real journalism. And for that, you turn to TNN, the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Midweek, a big week. Got a big debate tonight. We'll get into that a little bit later this morning. I'm talking about the debate coming up tonight at 8 o'clock Central Time. Hey, you just heard that opening. Pete Moss mentioned that finally the FDA and the CDC had to acknowledge that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were very good treatments for many people that got COVID-19. Now, this is in the midst of, remember, they denigrated thousands, tens of thousands of doctors around the world who told us unabashedly over and over and over again, hey, we've got this drug that's been out since the 50s, hydroxychloroquine, very successfully treating a bunch of people with various adverse conditions, and it worked. Americans died because of what the CDC and the FDA said. Think about that. Do you know today, how many years into the COVID pandemic are we out of it? Maybe a year and a half, maybe two years? Not very long. But did you know to this day, They're out there now touting, we've got, every American's got to get boosted. You've got to get a booster for this new variant, yada, yada, on and on and on and on. Do you know, forget about the booster for a minute, the new one that came out, forget about that. To this day, none of the COVID-19 vaccines, not a single one, has been approved by the FDA. Did you know that? Well, how are they getting these hospitals and doctors? How are they treating us then? How are they giving us these shots if they're not approved? Well, there's a little trick that goes along with that. I won't belabor it because you've heard me talk about it before. Here's how they do it to circumvent. Publicly, they come out and tell you, it's it's been approved, it's been approved. Well, there's a caveat. It's been approved for emergency use authorization only. Wouldn't you think that this far into COVID-19 and our pandemic that they would have figured out, do they really work? Are they effective or not? And if they are effective, fully just take the EUE authorization tag off of them and say, hey, they work. Everybody needs to get one. It's because of money. Pharmacy companies spend billions of dollars Lobbying Congress, I mean billions of dollars, one of the biggest business sectors in the nation, in the world, that lobby politicians to get their stuff approved and get it approved quickly. So they've got a dog in the hunt now, the members of Congress. That's the FDA, folks. Well, the FDA, it's an independent panel, right? No, it's not. 
it's not independent. It relies on the White House. It relies on being accepted as being full of so-called experts that don't make mistakes. Hundreds of medicines through the life of the FDA that they approved killed thousands of people. Now, the magic about the EUA designation by the FDA means you they go ahead and do it. But if there are adverse reactions that rise to any level, a patient can only sue the federal government. You cannot sue Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson for any COVID-19 vaccination adverse effects. You know why they would do that. I told you just a moment ago. It's about money. It's about money. When Pfizer picks up the phone and calls a White House, you can book it. That telephone call is forwarded to the Oval Office. None of those three are approved, fully approved by the FDA. Well, we've got this brand new vaccine out. They approved it just weeks ago. And everybody needs to get the shot because it kills this new COVID that's out. It's in EUA only. Emergency use authorization only, just like the other three. Well, they told me these clinical trials took care of all of that. (laughs) No human trials, none whatsoever on this new vaccine. They did test it out on mice in laboratory, control laboratory conditions, and so... They did the right thing, right? They got it out for us so we can beat this COVID-19, this particular variant. We can beat it before it gets started. And they proved in mice it's effective. Yeah, all 12 of the mice that it was tested on. I am serious. Wouldn't it be nice if our government would kind of give us all the information when they give us this stuff that they call factual It's partially factual. So what are you telling us to do or not to do, Dan? Pray about what's best for you and for your family, especially if you have young children, and do what you think is best. But make sure you make your decisions about everything. Armed with what? Cold, hard facts. Try that. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says,
song, B-52s. You remember when that came out? It was very controversial. Nobody could figure out what that line was toward the end of the song. You remember when the music stopped? You remember that? Nobody could figure out what was being said. I'm talking about this part. You know what she said? I found this out through a little research. It took a while to get it. Tin roof rusted. In other words, Love Shack was having rain come inside problems when stuff was happening in the Love Shack. (laughs) Good morning once again, folks. I'm so glad you joined us. Boy, we've got a lot to dig into today. We're going to get started right now. Things are ramping up faster than I even thought they would. We're over a year away from a presidential election, and they're having the second presidential candidate debate tonight. Of course, former President Donald Trump, he's not going to debate in this one. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't enter any of the debates. I've heard all kinds of arguments. Should he? Shouldn't he? Why isn't he? You know, the only people that could possibly benefit if he debates would be the candidates that are opposing him. There is no question. Everything that Donald Trump did when he was president didn't work out. Every president throughout our entire history can say that exact thing. But when it comes to campaign time and a candidate, an incumbent, well, he's not the incumbent, Joe Biden is, but they're not going to see him on a campaign stage if he makes it to the real campaign period, which, as you know, I don't think he will. I think he'll drop out before that. But even if he was, he would be the incumbent. But everybody remembers Donald Trump's four years in office. It was riddled with all kinds of negativity. But it wasn't about the job performance he gave. It was about the assault that started even before he was inaugurated, and it didn't end when he left office. And it hasn't ended yet. Those on the left can't stand Donald Trump. Why? Because he did his darndest to give the government back to the people, back to Americans. That hasn't changed. We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on as it pertains to Donald Trump today. Of course, he won't be on the debate stage tonight, but there's a lot of other things happening. But I want to start this morning with a piece of information that came out this morning that is spine chilling. It's about almost a mass shooting at a Virginia church this past Sunday morning, a really big church. Here are the details. We continue here, and tonight police in Virginia say they stopped a potential mass shooting at a church with just moments to spare. They say the suspect was in the church vestibule with the congregation inside. Here's ABC's Alex Brashe tonight. Tonight, police say they foiled a potential mass shooting at a Virginia church with just moments to spare. This was a thwarted, diabolical plot to kill churchgoers in Haymarket, Virginia. Authorities say 35-year-old Rui Jang staked out the Park Valley Church about 40 miles west of Washington, D.C. early Sunday morning and posted threatening messages on social media. Around 7.40 a.m., a concerned community member calling in a tip to police who immediately started searching for their suspect. What she saw concerned her enough to call the Anne Arundel County Police Department and say, hey, I think something really bad is going to happen. 
An off-duty officer working security at the church heard the call and quickly apprehended Jang in the church vestibule, the congregation already inside. We put our hands on him, literally in the nick of time. Officials arresting Jang less than three hours after that initial tip, saying he was heavily armed with a loaded handgun and additional magazines and two knives. Police also discovering disturbing writings at his home. The pastor telling ABC affiliate WJLA. It was a classic example of people that saw something said something. David, police say this suspect has no known connection to this church. And tonight he is charged with threats of bodily harm and carrying a dangerous weapon into a religious place of worship. David. Alex Brashe tonight reporting. Thank you, Alex. Just one more near miss. Now, let me say this. The gun that this guy had. The gun wasn't the culprit. Democrats across the entire United States, top to bottom, that's their favorite thing to go to. Well, maybe it's transgenderism. Maybe it's abortion. I don't know. If it's not the most important, it's way up there. Gun control. We've got to take guns away from these mass shooters. Well, this guy had knives on him. And I can imagine in a church, a big church that has a lot of people on a Sunday morning, if he didn't have a gun and he gets inside the church, he may not be quite as deadly against as many people with knives as he could be with guns. But if you're one of those people that would get knifed to death by this guy, you would think, hey, why don't we stop the guy? Surely he's got some information surrounding him that gave up the fact he was either off a little bit or that he was going to do this. Very few of these would-be gun shooters, mass shooters, very few of them don't give pre-warning of some kind. Maybe on social media, threatening, maybe trying to get a big, big following. They don't live in vacuums either. You and I don't. They don't either. But in this case, it happened to be a cop that was off-duty that happened to be working at this church that while he is at church in his part-time job, he's got his police force walkie-talkie turned on, and he heard the caller call the police department and tell him what they had just seen, this guy coming into that facility. Circumstances were perfect to stop this from happening. Now, you put that in the context of the criminality, the lawlessness that has taken over our nation. Now, this isn't in a big city in Virginia. It's not in Washington, D.C. It's not in any one of the big cities up in the Northeast. It's in a smaller town, a suburban town. In Virginia, no town, no city is exempt from violence. And it's going to continue to grow and exacerbate because so many prosecutors, so many people that have, since all the George Floyd stuff stuff happened in Minneapolis and the cries for defunding the police escalated and are at epic proportions, It began with that. All of a sudden, criminals thought, hey, there are a lot of people out there that want me, that like me doing what I'm doing. They're not wanting to stop me. 
So guess what? I'll just keep on trucking. Let's move on. Just moments ago, we got notified that the United States House of Representatives has broken a logjam and that they are going to vote on spending bills this week. Now, there are supposedly 12 bills that are part of our budget. They can't get all 12 done. Can't get all 12 done in three days, even if four or five days if you had the weekend. It can't be done. Is this just kind of uh, a show, or are they really going to try to get something done? They finally overcame a procedural hurdle late last night to allow votes on spending bills after defeating a similar motion twice already this week. That vote clears a path for a vote on an agriculture appropriations bill that was yanked from the floor before the August recess after a handful of Republicans indicated they were going to block it. The affirmative vote is a victory for Speaker McCarthy. After a small group of Republicans twice tanked a motion last week to allow consideration of a Pentagon spending bill. The future of this ag bill, not to mention the additional three bills, remains murky in the House despite last night's result. The Senate is prioritizing the passage of a continuing resolution or a CR this week, and we told you all of the pluses and minuses about continuing resolutions. That's going to likely take until late Friday or Saturday because of parliamentary hurdles. That Senate continuing resolution probably would extend current funding levels about a month and a half and include $4.5 billion in funding for Ukraine, which is a non-starter for many House Republicans. And I'm not a House Republican. I'm not even a Republican. But that's in my lane. We need to stop this throwing money Good money after bad money in Ukraine. Nobody is watchdogging the money we are giving to Ukraine, which we knew all along the country of Ukraine is the most evil, sleazy country in Europe. It's been known for financial mismanagement and all kinds of bribery for decades. Can you mention a name? Side-by-side with Ukraine? (laughs) Biden, Biden, Biden. Kevin McCarthy pledged last night after the vote to bring his own continuing resolution to the floor this week, probably on Friday. His bill includes border security funding sought by conservatives. McCarthy had not pledged previously to consider a continuing resolution, either a House-crafted version or one from the Senate. Matt Gates, firebrand. Republican representative out of Florida, he's promised to introduce a motion to oust McCarthy from his speakership position if the speaker brings a CR to the House floor. That motion to vacate the chair, that's what it's called, would be privileged by House rules and would force the House to vote on it. You can't get around it. And don't think for a second that Kevin McCarthy's butt's not puckered right now. Excuse me if that offended you, because he's walking a tightrope. I think there's a strong probability he's going to be booted from the speaker's position. And that'll throw Congress into an uproar. You remember how long it took him to get confirmed? 
longer than has in any other Congress in our history. Any motion to get rid of McCarthy would require the support of most, if not all, Democrats. The Democrat whip laid out last week the price they would want from McCarthy to save his speakership. Everything's for sale in Congress. (laughs) If you want this, it's all quid pro quo. I'll do this for you, but you got to do this for me. And that could include the termination of the impeachment inquiry of President Biden. Can you believe they're putting that on the table? I can't. By the way, the government must be funded by the 30th, 28, 29, 30. 28 would be Thursday, 29 would be Friday, Saturday's D-Day, right? You think they'll get it done? I don't know. I just don't know. Well, Rokana, do you know who Rokana is? He's a, um, a Democrat member of the House of Representatives. He came out and surprised a lot of people yesterday. He said that some California cities that are having huge crime issues, it's because they aren't enforcing the law. Oh, my gosh. A Democrat finally admitted that. <laughs> so yesterday on Fox News, Ro Khanna stated that crime is a huge issue. We need to have better law enforcement in some cities in California. And you can't just break into a Target or Walgreens and not have consequences. Well, I hate to differ with you, Rep, but that's exactly what's happening in your state right now. They're breaking into Target. They're breaking into Walgreens. And nothing's happening to them. He said, you can't just engage in carjacking and not have consequences. And he went on, well, there's no doubt that in certain cities in our state that crime is a big issue. We need to have better law enforcement. You can't just break into a target, yada, yada, yada. You can't just carjack. People do have to be arrested if they commit these crimes. And they have to be held accountable. In Silicon Valley... We have $10 trillion of market value. We have a lot of businesses, and we enforce the law. We have basic public safety in San Jose and Fremont and other areas, which makes it some of the best areas to raise families. And I believe that should be the standard around California. Where has he been? Where has he been? He should be up on a stage or in front of television cameras every day and should be barking what he said in this interview over and over and over again because the American people can't do anything about it. There's nothing we can do. People are either elected or appointed, and nobody on the left wants to kick anybody out of the law enforcement jobs they're in. It should start at the top with Attorney General Merrick Garland. Have you seen an impeachment inquiry on the Attorney General come anywhere? Nope, hadn't heard a thing about it. Not a thing. Well, 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 what else is going on? Not a lot of good stuff. Yes, that in, that uh, debate will happen from the Ronald Reagan Center out in California at 8 Central this evening. There'll be seven candidates on the debate stage. Now, let me 
just take a minute of your time and explain where I am on this. I'm not going to watch a debate. I didn't watch the last one, and that's purposeful. Why? Well, it boils down to this. Donald Trump is the only one that really has a story to tell based upon factual accomplishments. Now, all of these individuals up there and their various lanes they live in, they've had good success in most cases. They've got things that they can crow about, but none of them have ever been a president. None of them have been through a COVID-19 pandemic that was manipulated by the government. It was set up to be manipulated by the government before Donald Trump even became president. None of the others can even talk about any of that. But what they can and what they will do is they'll go after Trump. They want to make the case. They're all Republicans. They want to make the case that they can do a better job than Donald Trump does. I don't need anybody to tell me that's what they think. Hmm. Why? Because we've seen what he accomplished. We've seen it. He was impeached twice. And to be technical, both of the reasons supposedly that they impeached him on were not part of the Constitution. What the Constitution says is an impeachable offense, but that doesn't matter when it's Democrats. Whatever they want to do, they've got authority to do it, or they take the authority or make the authority to do it. Byron Donalds, African-American member of the House of Representatives from Florida. I really like Byron Donalds. I like what he says. I like what he stands for. He communicates really well, and he is right on for every conservative cause. Yesterday, he joined forces with Mark Levin, who's probably, in my opinion, one of the smartest constitutional attorneys we have. And they began a conversation and talking about maybe it's time for impeachment, maybe even a double impeachment. Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, Congressman impeachment and a repeat impeachment inquiry. Under our Constitution, um, bribery and high crimes and misdemeanors, they don't mean that a president violates some specific part of the criminal code. You go back and you study this debate at the Constitutional Convention and read Madison's notes. And when you study what some of these delegates said when they went back to their states at the ratification conventions, they meant something bigger than that. They meant when a president of the United States uses his office against the public good in a way that does significant damage to the civil society, that is an impeachable offense. Of course, if a president's caught... uh, Uh, Cutting deals on behalf of his son and making millions of dollars for the family, that's an impeachable offense. But I think we're missing something here when it comes to impeachment that Joe Biden has violated our federal immigration laws. He has unleashed havoc on this society. The border is a disaster. The inhumanity that's taking place there is unbelievable. People are losing their lives. They're being raped. They're sold into sex trafficking. And the uh, cartels now have positions in every one of our states Cities are suffering. Rural areas are suffering because of him, his party and his policies. 
not because of Mother Nature, not because of climate change, but because of him. So I want to ask you the big question, which is this. Are Republicans who are seriously looking at this impeachment inquiry considering using the immigration issue as an article of impeachment? All the past impeachments of presidents had nothing to do with finances. And by the way, that doesn't mean they shouldn't in this case. I'm just saying, why would we overlook uh, immigration? Uh, so, Mark, I'll tell you, I agree with you on that. I, I can't speak to what Chairman Comer is going to go down the line with, uh, because obviously we've been in all the investigations around the foreign business dealings, and people know the story now. You've talked about this. But you are correct. Joe Biden is in violation of federal immigration law, in my view. And it's, and it's not just immigration law. The student loan bailout was a violation of separation of powers. There was no ability for the president of the United States to appropriate money to a program without Congress. Nancy Pelosi is on the record saying that multiple times, but he did it anyway. And he was defeated by the Supreme Court. And now his administration is trying to find another way to do it. And I will go back to the bribery stuff for, for one quick moment. When the, when, the, when the Ukrainian invasion started and Joe Biden said, I'm going to put all of these uh, sanctions on all these oligarchs, there was one oligarch that wasn't on the list, Yelena Batarina, the widow of the, of the former Moscow mayor. She was not on the sanctions list. Why is that? Because in my view, her son, I mean, uh, her, his son got three and a half million dollars from Yelena Batsarina. So you have pay for play. You have just viol ridiculous violation of federal law and you have a violation of separation of powers. Those have all occurred while Joe Biden has been president. And those are all grounds, in my view, of impeachment. Byron Donalds, we've watched the conduct of this Department of Justice. It is corrupt through and through. The senior officials at the Department of Justice are all political bomb throws with very radical and even racist pasts. Uh, Civil Rights Division, Criminal Division, the Deputy Attorney General, the Associate Attorney General, and the Attorney General. Everything that's going on to pro-lifers, parents, the Catholic Church, even though they jump up and down and say we're not doing these things, they are doing these things. Everything that's going on to the party opposite, to the Republican Party, to President Trump, to the people around him. These are all affirmative decisions being made at the highest levels of the Department of Justice. And so this attorney general comes before the Judiciary Committee and he pretends he's Helen Keller. He can't hear the Republican questions, but he hears all the Democrat praise. And then he, he doesn't know what's going on. He plays rope-a-dope. He's blaming other people and so forth. Under our system, the only way to confront him is with an impeachment inquiry. No? No, I totally agree. When you when we were going through our investigations and oversight, I will tell you that basic investigative practices were flatly ignored when it came to Hunter Biden. Conversely, they're inventing ways to, to prosecute President Trump. I firmly believe that there is obstruction at the Department of Justice because there is no possible way the first Hunter Biden indictment gets to a federal judge without Merrick Garland knowing about 
about it and reading it without Lisa Monaco, the deputy attorney general, knowing about it and reading about it. And frankly, with the two U.S. attorneys, one in California, one here in D.C., knowing what's going on and ignoring prosecution, that only occurs if the Department of Justice is covering up, they're blocking and tackling, and they are obstructing justice. Early on, when when we broke news with the whistleblowers coming forward, I told Republicans, I believe we have two tracks of impeachment. One is on Joe Biden. We all know the story. But the second's on Merrick Garland, because Merrick Garland is the guy behind the scenes that is covering and tackling for Joe Biden and his corrupt family. That is a violation of the law, and he should go as well. He's the mob lawyer for the Biden crime family. There's absolutely no question. Byron McDonald, you've been doing a fantastic job. God bless you and keep up the good work. Thank you, Mark. There's plenty of corruption around Washington to talk about, isn't there? This thing with Senator Bob Menendez, do you know who he is? Most everybody knows he's the head of the Foreign Relations Committee. He uh, is the chairman. He's been that for a long, long time. He's of Spanish descent. His family hails from Cuba. He's gotten in Dutch. Now, he did about six years ago on charges of bribery. He was tried for that. And a lot of people are saying he was exonerated. No, he wasn't. It was a hung jury. And the prosecutors refused to prosecute him again. So he just walked. He has been indicted along with his wife and a couple of people that he quote unquote works with for bribery. And he's going to be tried. First appearance in the court after being indicted was this morning. He and his wife went in. In a statement that he made yesterday, he said he hadn't cheated hadn't bribed anybody, he's going to be exonerated. Now, he's temporarily stepped down from his position as head of the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee, but he says he's not going to resign. People are coming out of the woods demanding that he resign for bribery. And I didn't realize this, but apparently, I knew he's kind of a sketchy guy. I mean, come on now, you, you don't, I'm pretty sure you don't keep $500,000 in $100 bills stuffed in the various pockets in one of your suits hanging in your closet. And you don't keep a couple of bars of gold laying around your house either. And you don't keep a Mercedes in the driveway that apparently you bought with money that you somehow got. And got should be in quotation marks because that's probably not what it was, but all of that is in a, under investigation. And it comes out now that Medendez, he's been involved in dirty politics for a while. His political donations, I hadn't heard about this, his donations to other members of Congress and those that are running in campaigns have contaminated the entire Democrat Party. And possibly, by the way, it's hopes of retaining control of the Senate. And this is all after bribery charges for allegedly sharing information with Egypt in exchange for cash and gold bars. Authorities indicted him on three counts of conspiracy. He was the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee before he stepped down after Friday's indictment. The chair of that committee is a powerful position, one of the most powerful spots in Senate leadership. It commands political clout 
and the ability to raise and distribute coveted campaign donations throughout the Democrat caucus. From 2017 through last year, Menendez's campaign committee raised over $16.5 million and saved nearly $6 million as cash on hand. That's according to Open Secrets based on Federal Election Commission filings, public information. In the 2022 midterm cycle, his campaign committee and leadership PAC expenditures totaled about $1.5 million. He spent about 16% of the money, that's right at a quarter of a million dollars, on contributions. Much of that money Menendez gave to Democrat Senate allies, some of who plan to return it in $100 bills now. Think about that. Your buddy got busted, the buddy that gave you a bunch of money through the years, and you want to put as much distance between you and him as you possibly can, and if it involves campaign contributions, you can't give it back quick enough. $100 bills, that's not for a purpose. That's because that $500,000 they found in his closet stuffed in his suit pockets was in $100 bills. We're in process of returning the money in envelopes stuffed with $100 bills. Joe Calvello, a spokesman for Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, told The Messenger, Menendez gave Fetterman $5,000 toward his Senate campaign. And Fetterman's just one of the Democrat senators who got big donations from Menendez. Here are nine. Senator Maggie Hassan, a Democrat from North uh, excuse me, from New Hampshire, 10,006 donations. Senator Mark Kelly, Democrat from Arizona, Kelly for Senate, 10,003 donations. Senate Tammy Baldwin, Democrat from Illinois, Tammy for Illinois, $10,000 in four donations. Ron Wyden, Senator from Oregon, Wyden for Senate, $10,000. Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand for Senate, $10,000. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto from Nevada. Catherine Cortez Masto for Senate, $10,000 in three donations. Alex Padilla, ten dollars Michael Bennett, $7,500. Raphael Warnock, Georgia. Warnock for Georgia, $7,500. And Menendez is already in gear for the 2024 election cycle. According to Campaign Finance Disclosure, his new Millennium Political Action Committee gave Senate Democrats large donations, including Joe Manchin, $5,000, Senator Bob Casey, both those guys from Pennsylvania, $10,000, Manchin, I'm sorry, West Virginia, Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, $10,000, John Tester from Montana, $5,000. And this just goes on and on. There are more in addition to the individual campaigns, his PAC gave money to Democrat Party organizations that donate to Democrat candidates. It's almost like it's money laundering. He gets this money, where and how he gets it is that's going to be part of the of uh, the trial that he's facing now for bribery. But he gets this money and he passes it out. It's almost like. Mafia kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, that sounds like something that they make movies out of. It just smells bad to me. After all, 
I've said this I don't know how many times on this show. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money opens a lot of doors and it closes a lot of doors. In this case, it looks like money is going to be a big part of Menendez. Now, he's, he's older than I am. I can't imagine a guy like that going to prison. And he's a senator. I don't think he probably will. He's got enough goodwill spread around that he probably will get a big fine if he's convicted. And uh, I don't know what else, but I cannot see Menendez going to prison. Stranger things have happened, though. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your neck. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for you. Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Great shadow legends. I mean, wow. <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling Ooh! download raid shadow legends play for free welcome to mcdonald's may i take your order hi can i get a can i get a get in the mcdonald's Ooh, can i get a can i get a yeah can i get a Can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the Army of Truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Every once in a while, you push a bad button, and uh, that's exactly <laughs> what just happened. I apologize for that. We have been looking into some of the stuff that is kind of in our faces now in our government. We talked about Menendez and what he is facing. But let me blow your mind. Do you know that Hunter Biden is involved in some of the Mendez stuff? Oh, my gosh. Hunter and his business associates, they appeared to suggest lobbying and indicted Democrat New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez to protect a Spanish rail company after regulators scrutinized the firm. This is according to public emails on Biden's laptop. Spanish rail company constructionist and then a long Spanish name after that. 
hired Hunter Biden's investment firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners. We know all about Rosemont, right? Hired Rosemont to lobby the Department of Transportation and Amtrak for government contracts on railway projects. This again is according to emails on his laptop. Hunter and his business associates at Rosemont Seneca spoke with Menendez's office about CAF and secured meetings between CAF and DOT officials. CAF hired Rosemont Seneca in June of 2010, and Hunter Biden's firm appeared to discuss potential contracts with Amtrak shortly after that, according to the laptop archive. He and his associates appeared to work with CAF on a letter sent by the Spanish ambassador to Amtrak advocating for the firm, emails show. Hunter Biden sat on Amtrak's board from July 06 to February 09 after he was nominated by former President George W. Bush. Prior to his position at Amtrak, he worked in former President Bill Clinton's Commerce Department and at a Washington, D.C. law firm. This kid, he is and always has been connected. He's one of those guys that it doesn't matter what he does, what he doesn't do. Doesn't matter what he thinks or what he knows. All that matters is his last name and who he knows. And you'll get a gig with ease. He always has. Amtrak awarded CAF's American subsidiary a contract worth almost $300 million in July of 2010 to manufacture 130 new rail cars at a plant in Elmira, New York. Hunter's firm appeared and negotiated, listen to this, a success fee with CAF following the announcement of the contract. We may very well be because we don't have anything in writing, but my point has been that we be firm. Have Hunter call the CEO and congratulate him. Say we are looking forward to working with CAF as they implement the Amtrak contract and then follow it up with a letter to memorialize the success fee arrangement. That's Eric Schwerin, Hunter Biden's business associate. That was in a July 2010 email. If, and only if, they push back, let's not let CAF make us think we didn't do enough work to deserve our fee, as it is a minor percentage compared to what we would normally get for working on a project like this. I mean... You just can't make these kind of things up. This is actually the monetization of the position of one person and his son exercising his father's sonship to make money. We call that political corruption. Rosemont Seneca sent a letter to CAF at the end of July that year, 2010, The letter outlined their request for a success fee worth more than $800,000 because of the firm's work on securing the contract. Now, this goes on and on and on. They got the deal, all this. Menendez was involved in it because Spain, the government of Spain was part of that, the owners of CAF. Bribery goes everywhere. And very few people in government are exempt from bribery. 
But this proves a bunch of different things. One, and the most obvious, and nobody's been talking about it, in all of the trouble that Hunter Biden is in, one of the things nobody's even mentioned in the legal system is not registering as a foreign agent. He over and over and over lobbied different people in government, set up meetings and dinners, got paid money, for bringing his dad into relationship with dozens of foreign business people and leaders of foreign countries. There are people in prison today for doing far less than Hunter Biden did regarding his relationship with foreign people. And because he never registered with our State Department as part of the FARA law, which is foreign Let's see far. For being a person that is legally lobbying foreign entities and foreign people. I got a phone call coming in now. Let's let's check this out. Hello, are you there? Hang on just a second. Sure. I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting a phone call. This is Peter Lloyd calling from California. You're live on the air, my friend. That's right. Oh, well, uh, listen, I, I, I was actually returning the call, and uh, I don't know if I missed yours or not, but uh, uh, what's, the, what are the, what's the subject this morning? We're just getting right into the middle of why Hunter Biden's getting off scot-free because... He never registered as a foreign agent acting for those foreign companies. I know I you have you a lot. That. I know you have a lot to say about <laughs> the Biden family. <laughs> well, it's just, it is a, the elephant in the room. Yes. You know, it's the uh, subject that the uh, uh, the powers of the media can make anything go away. Uh, get the public to focus on an issue which is unimportant. Uh, they'll reply that they're seeking charges or they've indicted him on gun charges and and they're in, they're continuing to investigate other matters. But the truth is, uh, you know, everyone knows, even the Democrats know, that they're lying about it. <laughs> they're, they're specifically under orders from whoever is running the administration of the White House not to pursue any other investigation, to let everything they can expire because of statute of limitations. And I got to say, at least half the Republicans are swimming along with that story. Don't ask me why, but um, there is, you know, since the Hunter Biden laptop story first broke, the information was 10 times more uh, or carried 10 times more evidence and certainly intrigued to be investigated by the FBI than, let's say, the designs of the charges that I'm sure came from rooms or conference rooms full of people about how they could charge Trump with anything and everything that they could think of uh, and that they were just making up. So there's the difference between the, uh, the the powers in the two parties. Big difference but between I, the big difference between the R 
in the D, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> this exactly. Pa- this particular <laughs> thing we're talking about is, uh, it came out yesterday in the context of Senator Menendez, who mm-hmm. was, long time has been, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. He was involved in this particular deal because a huge Spanish railroad company wanted to be a part of and get involved with Amtrak. And, of course, Hunter's dad calls himself Mr. Amtrak because he rode Amtrak from Delaware to Washington, D.C. all the time. And it came out of the laptop that uh, when this thing all came together, Hunter and his business partner, Schwerin, got an $800,000 fee for putting those deals together and... Robert Menendez was involved in it. So it's kind of like it's all family. If you're a Democrat first, you got to be a Democrat to get in a family. But then if your last name's Biden and you're connected that way, it's just like doubly easy. How, and specifically, I thought you were calling because we were talking about Hunter never registering as a, a, a federal, uh, as a foreign agent representing foreign countries, even though he did that over and over and over again. And there are people in jail well, today for doing the same thing. Yeah, that's obvious. But you, you remember, I lived in D.C. for several years, and I used to lunch um, two or three times a week in Georgetown with a group of lawyers that were all lobbyists. And just listening to the conversations, and that was back in, uh, well, 1999 to 2003, and in post 9/11, the rhetoric were, was all about the contracts subsequent to 9/11 that were being won over by the lobbyists. And they, a lot of these companies, never provided anything. They, there was, they were, they weren't talking large companies, but they won billions and billions of dollars of contracts related to legislation in the follow-up of 9-11 and never never had a plan, never executed yeah. a plan, yeah. never had any deliverables. And so, you know, my insight was just to, I mean, that was an ongoing plague that of corruption that exists in D.C. and it's never changed. It just gets bolder and bolder until now. It's so in your face that... Um, you know, we understand that the Department of Justice is not, if led in, in Washington, is not going to investigate or charge anybody, um, with, with this exception of the the gun charges, perhaps Hunter Biden. And we know he's going to be pardoned anyway. So, sure. what's the point? Well, and, the president, um, the president said, I guess over the weekend, he's scared to death that he's going to die before the Hunter cases are all resolved. And he didn't say this, but we all know why. As long as he's president, whatever Hunter does, he can and he will absolve Hunter with a complete pardon for everything. And if he sees the orange man headed for the White House, there probably aren't going to be any pardons coming to anybody with the last name Biden in that administration. (laughs) Well, there's certainly a large number of very competent, capable, honest, and experienced people from government and military 
that are aware of the situation and they are undoubtedly discussing between themselves how do you remedy this yeah and you know the public opinion is oh well we've got another election coming up we'll just change it at the election yeah but there's um obviously justifiable fear that these people are only in office because they fixed the last election and they're certainly well prepared for the next election and the reason they have to win and prevent Trump from getting into office is Trump has voiced his personal desire and determination to put these people in jail for these crimes. And he has a lot of support for that. God, God, his rallies. God forbid that some president would ever think about enforcing the rule of law and holding people well, accountable for their wrongdoing. Love him or hate him. Um, he is not a traditionalist in Washington, D.C., and because he's not going to follow the way things are, there's a, a name for the, you know, the old guard the, uh, that uh, people sometimes refer to as the deep state. But in Washington, D.C., they have a, a separate name for the people who are not elected. They just, you know, continue to work president to president. But they're the people with their fingers on the keyboards. Sure. They're the people yeah. that physically make things happen. And they don't care who the president is so much. Uh, they have collectively um, formed this, I don't want to call it a, I guess suppose you could. It's like a mafia. Co- they do let's, let's call it cabal. Let's separate it from a mafia. Yeah. Let's call it a cabal. Okay, well. Well, the mafia just admires these people because they're so sophisticated at what they do and so effective. And, uh, you know, in cases in the past, uh, like different departments, the CIA has cooperated with the mafia, enlisted the mafia, learned from the mafia, probably employed some of them. And, uh, you know, it's a hard thing to swallow. But when you wake up, open your eyes and look out the window, everything you you see out there is affected by these people. Every vehicle that's moving because of the fuel costs. Yeah, everything. All the food. uh, You know, so um, we're being hypnotized to believe that this is some kind of normal. And it's not, folks. It's dangerous. We, We don't know where they're trying to take it. We know they're deliberately trying to destroy the fabric of this country and what it was built on. And they're succeeding. And it's not okay, at least as far as the people who have their eyes wide open. Before you uh, get believe. away, before you get away, did you hear overnight about Hunter getting wires? They showed up, these wires showed up in, in these bank wire, um, very unusual transfers of large money coming from foreign sources to accounts in the U.S. But... He got wires that originated in Beijing for more than a quarter of a million dollars from his Chinese business partners during the summer of 2019. And on each of these wires, they listed the Delaware home of Joe Biden as the beneficiary address for the wire transfers. Did you hear about that? (laughs) No, but... um, uh, Did you you notice the the date? You noticed the date? I told you the date. Yeah. The summer um, of 2019. Joe was right. campaigning for president. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, 
it, that's the type of blackmail that they would build <laughs> into a payment. Oh my God. So it's like, listen, Joe, don't forget where we sent that wire. If you don't have that deliverable on time to us. And they were the ones that were listening to Hunter spout off, you know, my father's not happy and we're not yeah. going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to cause all this trouble for you if you don't get the money to us on time. Well, Pete, two can play that game. Yeah. Peter Lloyd, thank you. You're a fan. I, I, I thought you were calling in to comment on that because normally when you call in, you don't call at this time be, unless you want to uh, say something. <laughs> You're right. But uh, thanks. Anyway, actually, the call that you called back from was a butt call. I apologize. Ah, well, that's okay. I'm, I'm glad to catch you this way uh, in the morning and uh, certainly uh, appreciate your show and uh, <laughs> carry on the good work because we need more just like you. I'm sure you've never made a butt call in your life, right? <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, just the other day, and this is... Hurry, good, hurry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled my phone out of my pocket i was speaking to somebody all of a sudden i had a british ringtone and it was calling with oh that, that unusual ringtone <clears throat> i pull it out of my pocket and i'm calling my old roommate from the 1970s in the united kingdom gotta go <laughs> peter gotta British. go man talking with you not at you intelligent conversation tnm the truth news network here's the latest traffic report Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply Infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Back to it at TNN Live. That was Peter Lloyd that uh, called in. He's a frequent flyer here at TNN Live. He's been a friend of the show since its inception, and uh, he's involved in some very large-scale business situations with a lot of different people, domestically and foreign. And he gives us, and we quote him pretty regularly, but he gives us information that for some reason or reasons nobody else is getting. And when we go with it, we vet it and find out, yeah, it's real. We'll go with it and tell you. Many times that happens before mainstream media even gets a hold of it. So it's good to have a, a friend, a partner in this uh, business that we're in, the news business that has those kind of contacts. I got a couple of really important things to tell you about. You remember that guy 
maybe three or four weeks ago we talked about came forward. His name is Gal Luft, L-U-F-T. I've got some big news that came out overnight about this guy. He just kind of disappeared. Nobody was talking about him all of a sudden. And he had some very interesting allegations that he made, documented, backed by evidence allegations. We're going to get to that. But before we do, I want you to hear something. Molly Hemingway, you know her, the Federalist. We like her a lot here. But she's always right on. She seems to, when she does a report, writes a story for the Federalist, it's all right on point, targeting some very specific things that many of the readers already think about but don't have any understanding of what it is. In context, Hemingway, I forget which show she was on. Uh, I'm going to play you that short segment from the show. But she was talking about the way that Democrats indict Republicans. That seems to be the only tool in their belt that they have. These Democrats, they don't go after reasoning. They don't go after working things out and trying to find consensus on differences. If they don't like you, they're going to go after you. No holes barred, including convicting or trying to convict you with indictments. Joining us now, Molly Hemingway with The Federalists. Molly, you know, ABC, it's good to see you, ABC and NBC calling their new polls a disaster for President Biden. You saw Trump is leading Biden 10 percentage point in the ABC poll. He's tied in the NBC poll. He's, Trump is polling higher with independents. These polls were done after the Trump indictments. And the White House is trying to dismiss the polls today. But this breaking news, Molly, we want your reaction to this. Now, NBC reports that Hillary Clinton has been warning Joe Biden he will lose if there's a third-party challenger. Challenger That person could take away his votes, saying this is pretty blank and concerning. Biden, quote, is worried about those spoilers. What do you think? Well, there's just a lot there. And a third-party challenge is something that very well could happen in this race. These polls, whether they show Trump and Biden tied in a, in a 2024 matchup or whether they show Trump up by 10, 10 points, they all point to a weak President Biden whose policies are very unpopular. Obviously, the country is suffering through quite a few issues here from the economy to the border to crime to a failed foreign policy. But I think they also point to something else. When you think about what Democrats have done up and down the East Coast in recent months of indicting their top political opponent, Donald Trump, you know, 91 counts in all these different jurisdictions, and he's beating Biden in the polls. It shows that that strategy of indicting Republicans has backfired horrifically for them. They thought that that would be a good way to win in 2024, and a lot of Americans are saying they find it very disturbing and that they are willing to side with President Trump over and against this unprecedented attack on a political opponent. Yeah, so Molly, what you just said, I mean, you look at the Washington Post ABC poll, seven out of 10, the U.S. is on the wrong track. Half, half say that in the NBC poll. And then six out of 10 Democrats say no to Biden. They don't want him. Well, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of reason for Democrats to be panicking here, and they do seem to be doing that. You had a couple weeks ago, the Washington Post had multiple pieces basically pleading for Joe Biden to get out of the race, to take Kamala Harris with him, because she's even more politically toxic than he is. They're begging other people to, to think about something that might rescue the situation. But one of the problems is, you know, Joe Biden is not 
the worst candidate. He does present as a moderate, certainly more than some of their other options. That's a really important thing when you're running a national campaign to at least pretend that your candidate is a moderate. The policies, you don't see, you don't see other Democrats coming up with different policies than what Joe Biden has enacted or what Democrats on the Hill have enacted. They're all kind of together on their policies with the border. They intentionally have an open border. That's, that's a that's a shared belief that they have. They did not disagree at all on the economy. They actively work to make inflation as bad as it is. They are reckless in their spending, and that's something that you don't see much dissent, you know, maybe one or two here or there. And they're all pretty unified on their foreign policy as well. So it's unclear what the argument would be for someone else. You know, it's, it's the media finally waking up. The wake-up call is there, I guess. You know, we've been seeing these polls coming in like this for months. And, you know, the voters are saying, you know, the Trump indictment's not playing, not playing at all with them. Watch the media on this and watch Democrat, the Democrats trying to top spin this. Look at this. These numbers are simply staggering for the sitting president. 44% of people in this poll say they are not as well off as they were at the start of the Biden administration two and a half years ago. Those are the worst numbers that we've seen in our ABC News, Washington Post polling. The, the weaknesses that we are seeing uh, for Joe Biden and his approval rating across the board are very real. They are alarming to Democrats, even if no one thinks this is ultimately going to be a nine-point race. And, and Kristen, you know this from talking to Republican critics of Trump from rival campaigns. Everything you just explained, they thought would take him down a peg this summer. And instead, he has only moved up here. For, for Donald Trump there, nothing but good news. Well, look, uh, we all know the economic pressure that Americans have felt uh, when the president took office. The economy was flat on its back. But we're also getting extraordinary results. Extraordinary results? How? The economy was not flat on its back. Molly, Biden inherited a V-shaped recovery. Show the numbers that he inherited. I mean, we've got now rising oil prices, mortgage rates at around 8%, a possible government shutdown, a UAW strike. We've got a busy week ahead. There's stock market volatility coming back in. We've got new home sales coming in. We've got new GDP number for the second quarter, new PCE inflation data Friday. More Week by week, we see these economic numbers, and people are always worried if, you know, it's a big debate. They've been debating in years. Is, are we in a recession? So the White House narrative here, the Democrat narrative here, is it playing? Well, Pete Buttigieg may be correct that these that they've had an extraordinary reaction while they're in the administration, but it's extraordinarily bad. That poll number showing that 44% of Americans say that they are in a worse place economically than they were when President Biden took office, that's the worst showing for any president on record. It's a really significant percentage of Americans who are having trouble buying groceries, who can't, who can't sell their homes. This is, this is going to be a major issue in 2024. I talk to people every day. I've not found one single person that tells me they're doing better than they were doing before the 2020 election. In fact, every person I talk to says they're struggling in every way, ways that they hadn't seen since Jimmy Carter was president. Oh my gosh, I lived through that. That was a horrible time. Mortgage rates, 16, 17% back then. Well, you could say it's really way better. Joe Biden... Mortgage rates under Joe Biden are only at 8%. Yeah, but they more than doubled the rates that were being charged before he became president. Wow. It's just 
One bit of bad news after another bit of bad news. Back to this guy, Gail Luft. Who is he? He is an Israeli professor. He's a former Israel Defense Forces officer. And he's been on the run for six months after skipping bail in Cyprus. What's this all about? The United States wants him. The Department of Justice wants him. I'll get into that in just a minute. He is considered to be the missing witness in the Biden corruption investigation. And he came forward with some new details about a mysterious mole buried deep within the Biden family who offered dirt on the Biden family and who allegedly worked for the FBI or the Department of Justice or both. Gal Luft is his name. He offered new evidence to the House impeachment inquiry about an FBI mole who tipped off Hunter Biden that Hunter's Chinese partners had been named in four different sealed indictments back in 2017. Indictments by Manhattan federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. Now, this came from Miranda Devine, New York Post. Gal Luft, they've been after him, trying to get him and extradite him back to the United States after he skipped bail. Luft made his assertions in a letter that was sent to three House committee chairmen at the helm of Biden's impeachment inquiry. James Comer, Republican from Kentucky. Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio. And Jason Smith, Republican from Missouri. Luft claims... The tip-off to the Chinese executives of, guess what company, CEFC. Now, you've heard that name all during the Biden stuff, the Hunter Biden stuff. That is the largest energy company in China owned by the Communist Party of China. That tip-off came on the same day that the first son, Hunter, wrote a WhatsApp message shaking down another CEFC employee for millions of dollars over a, quote, highly confidential and time-sensitive matter while claiming his dad was in the room with him. Remember that? That was a WhatsApp message. I'm sitting here with my dad, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. That came from CFC, went to Raymond Zhao, of CEFC on July 30th, 2017. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father, Hunter said. Patrick Ho, another CEFC executive, reportedly got an urgent phone call later that night at his hotel in Manhattan from the CEFC president, Jan Zhutou, who was in Shanghai, China, who ordered him to leave the U.S. immediately. He did just that, flew to Hong Kong the next day, where he stayed for four months. Zhao told Hunter in a follow-up WhatsApp two days later that CEFC is willing to cooperate with the family. What family? The family. Biden family. He thinks now the priority is to solve the problem mentioned last night. Luft asserted the problem and highly confidential and time-sensitive matter referred to by Hunter and Joe 
was the secret Southern District of New York indictments. Nine days after the WhatsApp incident, the CEFC wired $5.1 million to entities in the U.S. to transfer to Hunter. Luft had been earning money through a partnership with CFC. That's how he got involved in this particular thing. He flew to Hong Kong to see Ho on August 14th, 2017, two weeks after his sudden departure. He told him about the SDNY indictments and that Hunter had a mole inside the FBI who had tipped him off. Chinese nickname for the mole was One Eye. One Eye, Devine said. The existence of that mole within the FBI and or the Justice Department who conveyed to Chinese individuals that information about those indictments has apparently, to this day, never been solved. Luft wrote that to Chairman Comer of the House Oversight Committee. Perhaps Congress should investigate the issue as part of its impeachment inquiry. Miranda Devine then got into the timeline surrounding the tip-off and the payoffs. The tip-off to those CEF executives came at a crucial stage when they were negotiating to buy into Russian state-owned energy company Rosneft and came just 10 days before a curious meeting between one CEFC employee in an Albania and disgraced G-man Charles McGonagall, then counterintelligence boss in the FBI's New York field office which had been surveilling Ho and his associates. McGonagall pleaded guilty Friday to concealing at least $225,000 in cash received from a former Albanian intelligence official. You can't make this stuff up. There's even a timeline put together on it. Let me give you a quick synopsis. September 8, 2017. CFC announced a plan to acquire a $9.1 billion piece of Rosneft. On September 9th, 2017, McGonagall met Dorian Duca, a CFC employee and Hunter associate in Albania. Albanian Prime Minister Rama also was at that meeting. At Duca's request, McGonagall urged Rama to be careful about awarding oil field drilling licenses in Albania to Russian front companies. The next day, Hunter signed an attorney engagement letter to represent CEFC's O for a $1 million retainer. He was deeply entwined with the Bidens, and it got him arrested when he came back to the U.S. According to Luft, sometime in September 2017, Hunter and his uncle Jim flew to Hong Kong to meet Ho and asked him to buy them two burner iPhones before telling him the coast was clear to go back to New York. But when Ho returned to the U.S. the 17th of November in 2017, he was arrested at the airport on charges of bribery and money laundering. Ho's first call went to Jim Biden. He was looking for Hunter. Hunter then asked another lawyer, Edward Kim, to do the legal work. Kim asked Hunter in an email that afternoon of Ho's arrest to find the names of the FBI agents you spoke with that would be helpful. Hunter replied, working on it. You just can't make this stuff up. It's unclear how McGonagall fits into the whole Biden CEFC picture, but he was in charge of FBI counterintelligence in New York at the time. 
when the Southern District New York was surveilling Ho and his associates. It's reasonable to think he was aware of Hunter Biden's connection. Comer described the info contained in Luft's letter on Sunday as helpful and said he looked forward to investigating allegations about that FBI mole. His committee still is interested in interviewing Luft, Devine wrote. We get a lot of tips. The next step, got to verify accuracy of the claims, Comer said. I know Luft's overseas and he's hiding, but I would imagine it would probably behoove Representative Comer, if he'd get on a jet and fly over to Europe, wherever Luft is, and get to the heart of the matter, it sounds to me, and I understand Luft is scared for his life, as he should be, because, listen, you remember we went through a whole era of 20 years or so that dozens of people that were involved, involved in different ways with the Clinton administration, Bill and Hillary after the fact, even before they went to Washington, D.C., when Bill was in high office down in, in uh, Arkansas. And then all of a sudden, people started dying. I'll never forget about the former guy that worked in uh, a very, probably the number two guy in the Clinton administration down in Arkansas, went to Washington, D.C. with them. He got crossways with Bill or Hillary or both or whatever, and he jogged every morning in Washington Park, and he went missing, and they found him a day or two later. He'd been shot and killed. At that particular time, my company was under contract with Washington Hospital Center in D.C., and we managed all of their reimbursement for their entire ambulance department, and it was massive. They had like 12... EMS helicopters and 200 ground ambulances. So we did all the billing and making sure insurance companies paid. And I had a meeting up there with the board of the hospital one day. And as I walked into the hospital, the head of that EMS department grabbed me. He was white as a sheet, took me into his office. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He closed the door and pushed this over in front of me. And it was the uh, report from the coroner about this guy's death and it had been told to the public it was suicide and this is like six months later and so it showed the cause of death as homicide well they said he shot himself in the head to kill himself he was shot twice in the back of the head according to the autopsy the term Suicided, suicided became a common word when it was associated with the Clinton organization. Not saying anything specific because I don't know anything. It's just one of those oddities that pops up when a bunch of things happen to one specific group of people and they had deep relationships at one time with members of the Clinton administration and the Clinton family kind of seems similar to this in the Biden situation. Just saying. Just saying. We haven't even talked about our southern border issues. I know you probably know we have some. We're going to do that. Wow, we're almost in the last half hour of the show today. We're going to launch into the southern border stuff. The latest 
You don't want to miss this. Up next. Mr. Rippermorph. Yes, Dorothy. A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoth? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. For over 70... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. We talk and have been talking for a long time. I know everybody has around the nation. What the heck is going on our wide open southern borders? Well, first of all, everybody in the Biden administration in any kind of position, they deny that we have open borders down there. They don't want to call it illegal stuff either. They don't want to address it. Anything to do with the cause. There is a purpose. There has to be. No logical individual can make a successful claim that there is not wide open borders down there and that this president is doing it for some surreptitious purpose because it doesn't make any sense. We have an abundance of federal immigration laws that are being violated every day. Let me point you to something I told you yesterday. We had been working on a blockbuster story that we were going to publish. We published it overnight at truthnewsnet.org. The title of the story is How Do You Spell Democrat Party? And I spelled Democrat Party, listen to the spelling, O-L-I-G-A-R-C-H-Y, oligarchy. And in this story that I wrote, and it was published this morning, and so far several hundred thousand people have read this, this story. I looked right before we went live on the air. It's getting people's attention because it 
points to and provides evidence that proves what's happening at our southern border is just part of the process of what leaders in the Democrat Party have been pushing for for a long, long time. They hid it for years. But when Donald Trump became president, oh my gosh, the war was on. And they've been at war with every conservative, not just Donald Trump, not just Republicans. If you're conservative, you're evil. You're the weapons that they think we're trying to use and they're accusing us of being anti-democratic when, in fact, the policies that they have put in place and others that they've tried to, that they haven't been successful getting put in place, illustrate what they're up to, and it's not good. So the question is, what the heck is Joe Biden's purpose for this border policy crap, which basically is no border at all? I want to thank Senator Haggerty for getting all of us together and also want to encourage everyone who hasn't read his op-ed to do so. It clearly lays out what President Biden's intentions are, and it is not to secure the border. It is to rather further um, continued migration into this nation and to into a space where it is unsustainable. If you look back over his administration, there have been 2.3 million people that have come here. Guys, you need to put that in perspective. So Alabama is the 24th largest state in the nation, and that is about half of our population of 5 million. If you look, that was the last fiscal year alone. If you look at the total compilation to this point in his administration, we're at about 7 million. To what you heard from earlier from my colleagues, we're hitting over 9 thousand migrants at our border a day. At the current rate, we will hit three million in this next fiscal year alone. That's over 10 million migrants who have come here illegally cross our border during President Biden's tenure. Now listen, we've got to put real policies in place that make change. We've got to secure our border. You've heard Senator Ernst talk about the unused portions of the border that we have all seen. Listen, President Biden knows that walls work because he's building one around his beach house in Delaware, quite secure, but yet not affording everyday Americans that same respect. We've got to do more. You heard Senator Capito talk about six million people being in our interior right now under ICE. We only have 6,000 ICE agents, guys. That's where we need to be investing our money, not in NGOs, where we create a shinier object for the drug cartels to use to lure, lure people here. What's happening is we've created an environment where human traffickers, drug cartels, and terrorists rule the day. Over 844 people died at the border last year, and you all read the story about an eight-year-old drowning. As a mom, that is complete completely and totally gut-wrenching and unacceptable. I have talked to women who have not just told me that they were raped, but they've told me how many times a day they were raped at the hands of the drug cartels. You look at the drug cartels and what they've done with fentanyl in every community around this great nation. Last year alone, in Alabama, we had to use Narcan 15 times the first two months 
of our school year because of overdoses on campus. There is a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a cousin that is sitting around a dining room table tonight that is missing somebody because President Biden will not do his job. And then you look at terrorists. The numbers here don't lie, guys. Look at the last administration. The last administration and that total time span of those four years, do you know how many people we found on the wanted terrorist watch list at the border? Eight. Do you know how many people on the terrorist watch list that we have caught at the border in the last fiscal year alone? And we're not finished yet. 244. Because of President Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, he has created a hotbed of terrorism, and now the American people are paying the price. We must do something, and I commend my colleagues for standing here once again, and we just hope our other colleagues on the other side of the aisle will wake up, join forces, and do something for the American people. Our, our children are counting on it. Just for a moment, let's consider what's going on, why it's happening, and you heard some examples and that particular soundbite from that senator, what is really going on? Why is it going on? It's to further dilute the American born and bred U.S. citizens. Bringing people in that can be controlled. Controlled by who? Obviously, those who are in charge politically pretty much control everything in our lives, don't they? And, of course, right now, they control two-thirds of our government, the White House and the Senate. Conservatives, Republicans control only the House of Representatives. You heard Mike Johnson last Friday tell us when I asked him pointedly, what the heck can we do to stop all this stuff? And he said, you know what? When you've got control of two-thirds of the Congress and you don't have control of power in any but one particular area of Congress, which is the House of Representatives, and a very slim margin at that, it's hard to go up and get anything done. It's hard to push back because they are controlling things. Unless and until the American people are ready and say, we've had enough, and rise up. When I say rise up, I'm not necessarily talking about violence of any kind. I'm talking about of engaging in the political process and talking and speaking and cajoling people, getting people with which you probably disagree with on a lot of political levels, and you talk through this thing and help them understand what is really going on and what the eventual, and not too far in the future, what the eventual results will be, which is a permanent political class governed 100% by Democrats or worse, by people who push on past the Democrat Party, where would they go? Oligarchy. Now, what's oligarchy? Of course, you're going to read the story I told you to read there. Oligarchy is government by the few, especially despotic power exercised by a small and privileged group for corrupt or selfish purposes. 
oligarchies historically in which members of the ruling group are wealthy or exercise their power through their wealth are known as plutocracies. Aristotle, you heard that name? Boy, this is from a long time ago. He used the term oligarchia to designate the rule of the few when it was exercised not by the best, but by bad persons and doing it unjustly. In this sense, oligarchy is a debased form of aristocracy, which denotes government by the few in which power is vested in the best individuals, and best is determined by those that are part of that group. Most classic oligarchies have resulted when governing elites were recruited exclusively from a ruling caste, a hereditary social grouping, that is set apart from the rest of society by their religion, their kinship, their economic status, prestige, or even the language they speak. Such elites tend to exercise power in the interest of their own class. Sound familiar to you? This administration, the most obvious obvious part of this administration's oligarchy that is destroying the fiber of the nation is the top-to-bottom ignoring of illegal aliens' entry into the U.S. across our southern border and then the senseless, almost single-handed overthrow of the very U.S. capitalistic system. One example, President Biden just elected mid-January 2021 terminated a massive fossil fuel energy transportation project the XL pipeline. It would have connected the rich oil and gas reserves in central Canada to the oil and gas distribution facilities in the seaports in Houston, Texas, and New Orleans. Immediately, prices for all types of carbon fuels skyrocketed for every American citizen and every corporation. How could he do that? How could he do that? It's part of an oligarchy. Control. Control. Look at what you're paying now at the pump. $6.50 a gallon for diesel today in California. Now, what does that mean for the goods and services? What does that mean for what Walmart is selling today and what the grocery stores are selling and at what prices? Joe Biden is directly responsible for that. In the oligarchy, nobody can do anything. Sound familiar? Lawlessness. Americans and citizens around the world watched in horror as cities across our nation were torn apart by mobs that recognized an opening to create a lawless atmosphere across the nation not seen in most of our lifetimes. Not in mine. And I'm 70. The horrible death of George Floyd in Minneapolis was the fuse that lit the fires of criminality in almost every big city. In the U.S., Americans watched. We looked on. Robbery, theft, vandalism, destruction of tens of millions of dollars worth of buildings were obliterated in formerly busy commercial and retail districts of cities like Seattle, Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and even San Francisco. Suddenly, it became the cool thing to do. Break into some designer store on, let's say, Chicago's Miracle Mile steal millions of dollars of jewelry and designer clothing, break into auto showrooms, steal luxury cars to race down streets, 
only to then abandon the cars. And then this, district attorneys were elected. In many large and mid-sized cities, people heard the defund the police cries from the Minneapolis killing by cops of George Floyd. These district attorneys promised to go easy on criminals when they were arrested, prosecuting them for only the most serious of crimes. Cashless bail shortened, if any, sentences. That's now normalized across the nation. And all of this, all of this is fine with President Joe Biden and the Attorney General. Well, they talk all the time about how horrible this is. Well, they talk about it, but don't listen to what they say. Look at what they do. Or in this case, look at what they don't do. They don't do. Pause for a second and think about that. What's really going on? And then, of course, back to the southern border. Every one of these illegals who comes into this nation is committing a violation of federal law. And any member of the government, I don't care who it is, if you assist actively or if you just turn your back and wink at somebody else who's breaking the law, both of those classes of people are guilty of a federal crime as well. Did you know that? Well, isn't that what Joe Biden and Biden's Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, are doing every day? Read the story today, the actual statute for both of those wrongdoing, actually being the person that breaks the law. In other words, illegals coming across the border. For them and for anybody on our side of the the border that helps them or facilitates them or encourages them to come in, they're guilty of the same laws, and those are federal felonies. Are we prosecuting any people for that? Heck no. We're waving them on in. How long are you and I going to let this stuff stand? I mean, how long can we sustain it? I mean, it's getting absolutely untenable. I saw very early this morning, I saw a story of a woman talking about living in the same large city for decades. And she said, under this administration, I won't go outside after dark. I won't leave my house unless somebody's with me. I don't go any place where I have to park my car and walk somewhere. Because in the big city she lives in, and she didn't name it, I'm not going to put her on the spot, I wouldn't anyway. But crime has ramped up so much, people are scared to even go on the streets of their cities and just live a normal life. Thank you. Thank you, President Joe Biden. All of this criminality lies directly at his feet. People like Attorney General Merrick Garland, they're just pawns in the big scheme of this. And the scheme now has a name. Remember it. Tell your friends about it. Get them to look it up. You look it up. It's oligarchy. And you and I, we ain't part of that club, are we? Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. 
I see. Too harsh for snuggle muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, snuggle muffin. What are you doing, snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. You've got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic PSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Nervous? Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Our first real heart-to-heart. -heart. I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the other one together! Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes! Blaze was there. Blaze. Do you have a barbecue? Or a cheddar jalapeno? Ooh. Oh, remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Ah! Remember when you bought your first house? Those were good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? That's a yes. Yesterday, Lawrence Jones, LJ, they call him now, he's the newest member of the uh, Fox Morning Show team. He joined South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem at the southern border. want to do this and let you hear this before we move on. LJ was down there. Governor Noem was down there. She had brought with her a bunch of people from the South Dakota National Guard to assist what's happening on the border of Texas to try to get a handle around what's going on and what can be done. Listen to both of these people tell us what they saw firsthand. Under my direction, New York National Guard will deploy an additional 150 members to support the asylum seeker mission. That brings our total to 2,200 National Guard members supporting the overall mission. You're going to need more than that. Democratic New York Governor Hochul sending more National Guard troops to help an overwhelmed New York City deal with the growing migrant crisis. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem just returned from the southern border for a briefing with the National Guard troops. She deployed. She joins us now with an inside look. Governor Noem, um, what should concern Americans the most about the southern border right now? 
that their backyard could look exactly like New York City uh, in the coming days. Uh, these folks are crossing the border by the thousands every single day. Uh, the federal policies are allowing it to happen. They're not turning them around, and it's an inhumane situation for those individuals. But when they get to our communities, there's no way to support them and help them be successful pursuing the American dream. This is a failure that Joe Biden is perpetuating. And uh, what the governor of New York is going through is what every single governor is going to be going through in the coming days, and it's time to address this crisis now. You know, Governor, we saw some interesting photos. We, we saw the parents allowing their kids to be cut up uh, as they were going through the ways of wire. But we also saw the Border Patrol being ordered by the Biden administration to cut that wire down. Now, they didn't place it there. The state of Texas paid for that. Uh, what do you think the governor of Texas needs to do more to send a message to the Biden administration that this just can't be tolerated? Well, his hands are tied. They are sending and spending billions of dollars to the border to secure it as a state of Texas. And there's 14 other governors that are sending help. I was with my National Guard troops down there yesterday in Eagle Pass, and their stories were powerful. They talked about how they encountered a group of 400 individuals that crossed the river, came to the fence line and to the concertina wire, and that they tried to turn them around. 60 turned around and went back, but the rest ended up coming up and walking through that wire. They have no authority, no rules of engagement that allows them to stop these individuals. And when they needed Border Patrol's help, Border Patrol turned around and walked away so that they wouldn't be on camera helping to facilitate these individuals crossing that border. So that's what I think is interesting, is that Border Patrol knows that they can't stop them according to what the president is ordering them to do, and they're purposely avoiding TV cameras so they're not held accountable to these policies that are undermining our country. Well, of course they were. What's the end goal here from Democrats now? I mean, because they're already giving them visas. What's the next amnesty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're fundamentally remaking this country. Uh, and that's that's what you see down there. This is an invasion of our country, and they want this to happen so that they can continue to perpetuate their agenda into individuals that are just happy to be here. So that's the interesting thing as well. There's many dangerous individuals coming. Uh, there's no plan to keep our national security a top priority, uh, and this is on purpose. That's the one thing that my National Guard troops are frustrated with. They're willing to serve their country. They're putting their lives on the line to protect us, but they're trying to figure out the whole purpose for what is going on here and why the federal government is allowing this to happen. When you look at it, they all clearly agree uh, that the only person, the only people who can fix this situation is the federal government, is the White House. Joe Biden could snap his fingers tomorrow and our country could be secure again. Uh, this is on purpose and that's what's so frustrating for all of us. Yeah, the only snapping he did was on day one, remove and remain in Mexico, uh, making sure that the border wall fencing stopped. Um, you got to know this is intentional. Uh, Governor, uh, mm -hmm. thanks so much for joining the program. Thank you, Lawrence. You have a wonderful day. I like both those people, Christy Nome, the governor, and LJ, Lawrence Jones of Fox News. They're very factual, matter of fact, and they are educated. Lawrence lives in Texas. He's from Texas. He knows what Texas is suffering. And we hear all the whining that happens from up in the Northeast. Do you remember when uh, Ron DeSantis flew a small charter plane loaded with illegals to Martha's Vineyard? And he said the reason he did it was because Martha Vineyard, they went public at the very beginning of this and declared themselves a sanctuary city, which means we're going to welcome illegals that come here. Well, that changed real quickly when a plane load of them dropped 
into their own town and city. They went crazy. In fact, they didn't let it stand. They transported themselves, paid for and transported those illegals to another place that was okay with accepting it. And then look at what the mayor of Wash, uh, excuse me, of New York City has said, Eric Adams, Sanctuary City, oh yeah, we're all about. This is New York. We accept anybody and everybody. And they did that for maybe a month or two. And then all of a sudden, when they started paying the bills and dealing with criminality and unsanitary conditions that people brought with them and job issues, businesses closing, all of those problems that they made, they declared they would handle that and take care of it all for every came that was illegal. Uh-uh. Where the rubber meets the road, they're out. They're screaming and hollering. They don't even come close to what's happened to the border states of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and even Southern California regarding illegal immigration. They've been paying these bills for years and years and years. Let me just finish this segment and just tell you this. The only way it's ever going to change, the only way it will ever change is if our leaders determine we're going to enforce the rule of law. We don't like the laws, we'll go to Congress to get them changed. If they don't change them, that's the people's representatives saying, we want it just like it is. Unless we do that. Unless we just blindly abide by the rule of law, our nation is toast. Guys, I appreciate you so much for being here today. We covered a lot of ground. We're going to do the same thing tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have good stuff to talk about, including debate tonight. See you then. Do this.